Hey everybody, we're getting ready to start the Practical Woodsman, episode 5 podcast. I'm going to eat lots of crow. Lots of crow. I'm going to ask for your help in coming up with a very specific brand new expression. It might change the world and I need your help to do it and over the course of this conversation we're going to come up with some ideas. Specific term that I'm trying to develop hopefully will make it go viral and uh, people will start using it all over the world and the credit will all come back to us won't it? You and me. The thing that you're probably going to enjoy the most is me eating the crow. Lots of crow. It's delicious. So stick around. Welcome back to the Practical Woodsman Podcast. All of you that I haven't scared away yet. Yet. I'm going to ask for your help in this episode for something very important. I am truly and genuinely interested in your feedback. I, I can't wait to see what things you, got, you folks all come up with. So I hope you'll stick around for the entire show. Can't wait to get into the meat and taters of all this with you. This is episode five, and over the course of five teeny little itsy bitsy episodes, it has become clear to me that there are a couple of things that are needed immediately. My approach to doing this show and to doing any creative project, really, that's going to go out in front of people has always been that since you can't please everybody all of the time, I make no attempts to please anybody any of the time. This show is first and foremost for my own pleasure. Yes, I'm doing this for me, primarily. I'm also doing it for you. But if I didn't enjoy what I'm doing here, um, I wouldn't do it at all. I'm not getting a cent out of this. In fact, uh, this is costing me. I am financially investing into this in order to present this to you at all at this time. Hopefully it won't always be like that, but that's the way it is right now. This is a forum where I can express my thinking, my attitudes, my approach toward the woods. There are going to be things that you disagree with. And that's okay. That's why there's a comment section on the platform. Wherever you're watching this, there's a comment section. And I invite you to make use of that comment section. But more than that, I have set up an online community for all things related to The Practical Woodsman where you can air your grievances so that we can get into good conversations. So I would like you to think about me as your friend, your maybe sometimes obnoxious, sometimes know-it-all friend who sits around the campfire with you talking about stuff. And we can sit around that campfire snorting the booze, shooting the breeze, disagreeing about things. So, for example, last week, uh, or actually it was two weeks ago, the discussion was all about how dumb trekking poles are. Some ovians spoke up, said that you disagreed with me, uh, but there were no personal attacks. It was kind of like a friendly banter, and I liked that. But then there were other folks who you know, went into the personal attacks. Guy's a dummy, doesn't know what he's talking about, those sorts of things. And um, probably I'll never see him again. I am hard-headed, I will tell you. I am hard-headed, I am opinionated, I talk my mind, but I'm also friendly and I enjoy other perspectives. I would like to ask you to please keep that in mind. And we're going to get into a deep conversation about this today. So 
I'm not going to try to cram it all in here to the end to the introduction. The Practical Woodsman has a comments section. If you're watching on Rumble, if you're watching on YouTube, make use of it. You know, if you disagree with me, um, you you let you let everybody know. You express yourself. If you're a member of the Practical Woodsman online community there on Locals, so you can join that by going to thepracticalwoodsman.locals.com. It's exclusive. It's censorship proof. So for those of you who appreciate that, uh, know that you can share hunting photos on there. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Whatever's legal to talk about, you can talk about there. That's why I set it up on that platform. And you can express yourself there. You can air your grievances. Here's my qualification or my conditions. As long as you don't resort to attacking me personally, such as saying that I'm stupid, I'm dumb, you don't like the way I talk, I'm ugly, uh, things like that, then I will not delete your comments. I will interact with your comments. I will celebrate that sort of discussion. As long as the focus of the disagreement is the topic and not me as a person. All right. As long as that's true, I welcome you to express opposing thoughts. I really do. This is meant to be fun. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to have fun here. And I'm not a negative Nancy. I'm not a a bitter person. I'm I'm a happy person. And I I, I enjoy this. This it's the whole reason I created it. Like I say, I I'm not making any money off that. I I'm paying money to do this. So I'm not making anything at this point. Hopefully that'll change, but I'm not making any money at this point. So in order for me to do it, it, it just has to be for my own pleasure, right? It has to be for fun, and that's what it is at this point. Still, it's clear that in the show's best interest moving forward, I need to present things in ways without giving the impression that I'm looking down my nose upon or spitting tobacco juice upon your preferences, your ways of doing things, and the many activities that you folks enjoy. Because even though the show's for my own pleasure first first and foremost, which is not to say that it's not for you too, you know, why do a show at all if I don't enjoy it? But then again, why do a show at all if nobody wants to watch it? So, for example... Last week, I talked about how I don't, quote, hike or, quote, camp. And maybe you folks who love hiking and camping thought that I was poo-pooing the things that, that you love to do. Or maybe you thought that I was trying to paint myself and other activities that I do that are not hiking and camping as somehow superior to the things that you like to do. So allow me to be a little bit more specific here and now. I do hike, and I do camp. That's right. I do hike, and I do camp. What I meant specifically is that hiking and camping are not activities that I am driven by. When I hike and when I camp, it's not the hiking that is my primary objective. The camping is not my primary objective. It's not that I never do those activities. It's that when I do them, the hike in itself or the camp in itself is not the primary motivator for me doing that thing. Usually there are activities that are a means to an end. The primary ob- objective being to spend time with others or to accommodate others. I'm a people person. I love people. I love being with people. I, I love talking to people. I love great conversation, you know, really rich conversation. And uh, that can happen around a fire, whether it's in a campsite, uh, a designated campsite, or 50 miles back in the woods, Canada. I'm a father to a currently seven-year-old, little, dainty, beautiful, wonderful little girl. Clearly, It's not very practical for me 
to take her on a 50-mile backpacking trip out in genuine wilderness facing all the dangers and the uncertainties and the many miles that must be traversed. But I still like to share my love of these things with her. And so hiking and camping is sometimes the better option. Last summer, a friend of mine and his wife were taking their nieces camping and they asked if I wanted to join them. And I jumped at that opportunity. Yes, siree. To spend a few days camping with them in a public campground. Was it the the campground or the camping that I was so eager for? No, it was the means to an end. I wanted to enjoy some time with my friends in a relaxed environment. So the conversation today is going to revolve around primary objectives. Primary objectives, because primary objectives change the underlying premise for any discussion about anything. For example, the discussion we had in the last epi- in the previous episode about trekking poles. My argument being that they're dumb. To understand why I'm right about that, you have to understand the premise that I am coming from. If somebody comes into the conversation and has an entirely different premise, then they could be just as right. They can't be right based on my premise, but they can be right based on their underlying premise or the underlying attitudes or the primary objectives, right? It's all the same thing. When you're hiking, some of those primary objectives for hiking might be exercise, passing an hour or so doing something more nature-related than, say, spending the same amount of time walking through Walmart or whatever shopping center is popular in your part of the world kind of broke my heart was it last week or the week before somebody who left a comment said you know i can't you know you're talking about getting back in genuine wilderness like that's the only thing that has any value and i can't do that because of my health condition or because of my age or because of my weight that's not feasible for me and the reason why I broke my heart was because I realized that I had I had excluded folks who fit into those categories that was never my intention there's crow I want to eat I'm very sorry about that I did not mean to do that I think that the comment was something like what is better me walking around a block downtown for, for two hours or me walking through the hours I, it was in response to me saying that I don't hike <laughs> I said that it was like sex without uh, any intention to have an orgasm and this person said you know do it, should, so what's better me just walking around town for two hours or me getting away from people and things and just walking around the woods for a couple hours and that, that touched me the spirit of it was of the same spirit that I am trying to introduce people to. And so the person, even though they can't do what I currently am able to do, I won't always be able to do it myself, to be honest with you, because uh, uh, I'm on the verge of 50. I'm on the verge of turning 50 myself. So what do I have? Maybe 20, 20 years, maybe, of being able to continue doing the hardcore stuff maybe and, and it, but it touched me and I thought uh, boy that was that was kind of in, uh, indifferent of me and insensitive of me to not factor that into the discussion and to talk about that you're liking this aren't you you're enjoying uh, seeing me eat crow I'm not superior to anybody I don't view myself that way I'm happy to eat crow when I've made a mistake. And that was a mistake. Hiking does have a legitimate purpose, even within the same spirit of what I'm trying to communicate here on the show. All of these activities, you know, if you think about it, like hiking, backpacking, bushcraft, survival, they all have different primary objectives. And I think that's what the my real discussion is about. The discussion I'm trying to bring into the whole environment of this thing, right? Because you've got the bushcrafters and they've got their 10 billion subscribers. 
you've got the the hikers and the backpackers they've got their 10 billion subscribers there's something missing right we're going to talk about that we're going to talk about the missing element it's something that uh that i do not see represented when i think about all the other folks who grew up as i did i know that they're missing that too and i'm trying to fill that niche at the same time that i'm trying to fill that niche i am not trying to appeal only to them i want to appeal to the hackers to the backpackers, to the wood, the bushcrafters, and the survival, the survivalists. I'm trying, I'm trying to appeal to everybody there. I'm trying to add something to the the overall conversation that is missing. And forgive me for not being so brilliant and wise as to recognize this from the very, very beginning. As anybody who has had any success with anything knows, the way that you you find the subtleties and you find your your place the, your voice I should say is that you get started and once you get started your voice or your focus uh, becomes refined and so here we are five episodes in my voice is starting to become refined I thank you for all of those of you who have stuck with me there's one guy in Canada <laughs> he was like my hardest critic at the beginning for some reason, he found some affinity with me, and he stuck uh, with me. And so, hello to you. I really appreciate it. I don't know what I did to earn that affinity, but I'm, I'm appreciative of it. What are some of the um, primary objectives? So, th- keep that in mind. Primary objectives. That's the thing that motivates you to do one activity or another activity. What are some of the primary objectives that a person might have for hiking? What might be exercise? It might be passing an hour or so doing something more nature-related than, say, walking through Walmart. Might be meditation. Uh, Maybe you you don't want distractions for an hour or so. So you're going to walk, you're going to take a little hike, do some meditation or rumination, things of that sort. What are some of the primary objectives or attitudes people commonly have with camping? Well, like in the personal example I gave, uh, maybe it's spending time with friends in a relaxed environment. Is there anything wrong with that? No, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not poo-pooing that. I'm not looking down my nose at you for that. Maybe the primary objective is to save money. I have a very fond memory. My dad and I, we went to... uh, Petersburg, Indiana. My my dad was a telephone man, and we went to Petersburg, Indiana, back in the probably the late '80s. He was going down there to do reconstructive work. They had had an F5 tornado hit Petersburg, Indiana. It just wiped it off the map. And because my dad was a telephone uh, contractor, he had the opportunity to go there to help build the telephone infrastructure. And I went with him, and instead of staying, instead of paying for hotels or motels, we rented a a spot in a campground. And, you know, I have very fond memories of that. No, we weren't 50 miles back in the wilderness surviving or anything like that. In fact, one of the greatest memories I have about that is that in that campground, my dad had bought a bunch of uh, pork and beans canned pork and beans we opened up those uh, canned pork and beans stuck them right in the campfire and and that's what we had for supper and all of it was in the interest of saving money right we're saving money from the uh, renting a hotel eating out at elaborate suppers and stuff like that elaborate restaurants and um, you know i'm i'm verging on 50 now and uh, and i still remember that with great fondness and great affection so that that's a legitimate reason for staying at campgrounds. I, I'm not poo-pooing it. I'm not looking down my nose at it. I, if I gave anybody that impression, I'm sorry. Maybe because of physical limitations or age, you just can't do the more strenuous things that getting uh, deep back into the backcountry requires. But you still f- want to feel and experience whatever connection to the woods 
and the natural world that you can. I'm not poo-pooing that. I'm not looking down my nose at you about that. I want to make that clear. There is going to be the day when I will not be able to do the things that I am currently able to do. That reality doesn't escape me. In fact, just uh, there have been times where I have not been in a position to go out into the wilderness, and that is the reason why I've watched a lot of these YouTube channels of other people being in the wilderness because it's kind of like a it's kind of like the next best thing if i can't be out there enjoying myself watching other people being out there doing the things i wish i could be doing it's kind of like the next best thing and nothing wrong with that at all i don't want anybody to think that i'm looking down my nose or poo-pooing that or setting myself up as something superior to anybody else. I'm not superior to anybody else. I'm I'm just a normal person. That's the way I view myself. And, and you know, that, that's the truth of that. I, I don't view myself as superior to anybody else. I have a way of doing things that I think is an elevated experience, which I would like to share, and I would like to share the mentality of it and the thinking of it. But as far as me personally, I don't view myself superior to anybody else. If I gave the impression that I was looking down my nose at any of you who enjoy these sorts of activities or who are not in a position to do more, I want to apologize. Genuinely, sincerely apologize. I did not express myself as clearly as I intended and... What's more, I appreciate that if any of you are are in the audience now listening to me talk, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to explain myself. Primary objectives, I believe, is the distinguishing element that I was trying to highlight. You see, whatever a person's primary objective is, or their attitude about a thing is, this is the premise upon which the whole rest of the discussion lies. The primary objective sets the premise. For me, my primary objective borders on the spiritual. I'll I'll explain that more fully here in a minute. But last week when I was talking, or two weeks ago, when I was talking about how dumb trekking poles are, there was some fellow who left the following comment for me. He said, trekking poles are great. This guy, referring to me, can't put away big miles on the Appalachian Trail. In backpacking, they are a wonderful piece of gear to have. Used correctly, they help distribute the work of hiking to your entire body, as well as helping your speed and power with extra propulsion abilities from your arms. Now, keep it in mind that the entire premise of any argument depends on primary objectives, right? If, If my primary objective for doing a thing is one thing, and your primary objective for doing a thing is an entirely different thing, then we're not talking about the same thing, are we? Even if we're going into the same place and basically doing the same thing we're not talking about the same thing so it's right here that you can begin to see where a disconnect between him and I begins to happen according to his comment what is obvious about his his primary objectives that is to say his intent for being in the woods in the first place what is his attitude towards the whole thing we're, we're gonna make a comparison or a contrast between what his obvious thinking is about the whole thing and what my thinking is about the whole thing. And because this is my show, obviously I'm trying to share you with you my thinking about the whole thing, right? What is his attitude? He says this guy can't put away big miles on the Appalachian Trail. Well, first of all, he immediately references the Appalachian Trail, which means right there, that he and I do not share the same primary objective or attitudes related to the woods. 
The reason for this is that the Appalachian Trail is to wilderness and backcountry what McDonald's is to fine dining. Uh, that's going to upset a lot of people. A lot of people who have hiked the Appalachian Trail are going to say, oh, that's terrible, the, what, what he just said. How offensive. Stick with me anyway. Hear me out. The Appalachian Trail is one of the most traveled trails in the entire world. It has thousands of people hiking it every day. It has hundreds of quite elaborate fixed shelters that are basically small cabins. Most AT hikers plan their hikes so that they always stay in one of these shelters, which, which means they never have to rely on setting up or preparing a shelter of their own. I'm, tell, I'm telling you this from somebody who has hiked the, the Appalachian Trail. There are millions of road crossings where people frequently catch rides to nearby towns so that they can eat at restaurants, do laundry in laundry machines, take showers with hot water, stay in hotels, motels, and hostels. They have people mail them supplies and they can actually go and pick up these mailed supplies. My purpose for going out into the nature is to escape all of these things. All of these things. My, my love affair with the backcountry excludes these things. These things do not add to the experience of intimacy with nature. What these things do instead is they, they, they steal from it. They, they undermine it. Do you reckon that there's a lot of getting away from civilization on the Appalachian Trail? If you do, you'd be wrong. Now again, if you have through-hiked the Appalachian Trail from beginning to end, that is an accomplishment that is extraordinary. I'm not trying to take that away from you. I'm not trying to poo-poo it. I'm not trying to look down my nose at you and say that what your accomplishment is not uh, uh, incredible. It simply does not appeal to me and my primary objectives for being in the woods. It, it doesn't complement in any way my primary objectives or my purpose, my underlying purpose for being in the woods. More often than not, on the Appalachian Trail, you end up hiking with total strangers. Those of you who have hiked the Appalachian Trail, you can, you can fact check me on that. You end up hiking with total strangers many of the times. Not all the time, many of the times. It really depends on the time of year, region, those sorts of things. If you're, if you're not actually hiking with them, you end up sharing shelters with hordes of strangers. If you're not staying in a shelter, so let's say that you, you have... 15 miles planned for the day and you decide you're not going to stay in a shelter you usually end up staying in an area that is still surrounded by hordes of strangers lots of people camping close enough to you that you can listen to their conversations all night long and I would just ask you if you're just being honest does this sound much different to you than just hanging out in the lobby of any hotel or of walking around town it's not a whole lot different. Depending, again, there are some exceptions. There are areas of the Appalachian Trail, if you're going to do a section of the Appalachian Trail, in you know the middle of January, you might not see other people, but that's not for certain. The odds are you will see other people. Really, the only difference between being on the AT, which is another way of saying the Appalachian Trail, and staying at a local hotel is that there's lots of trees around. That, that's the primary difference. No plumbing, but still outhouses and the, that sort of thing. Pre-built shelters, that sort of thing. So really it comes down to the, the primary difference is that there are a lot of trees. I'm not, I'm not trying to insult anybody. I'm, I'm just describing it the real the reality of it so this fo this this guy who left the comment he says that trek and poles help quote 
your speed and power with extra propulsion abilities from your arms as if the only reason to be in the woods is to blast along trying to break some sort of overland speed record when I read that the only conclusion I can reach is that this is somebody who wants to rip through the woods as fast as he can that is his primary objective am I wrong? Am I wrong that the person who says that trekking poles help your speed and power with extra propulsion abilities from your arms, am I wrong that this is somebody who wants to rip through the woods as fast as he can, cover as much distance in as little time as possible, and it apparently does not occur to the person leaving this comment even once that perhaps perhaps my interest in the woods and the interest of many other people and their attitudes toward the woods does not revolve around any of these things so right there a disconnect has occurred between myself and the person who left this comment he and I are not even having the same conversation anymore and that you know that is the complicated nature of this show of the topic that I have chosen to to highlight and to create this show around one of us is oblivious to this disconnect because the general topic is similar right we're both talking about woods we're both talking about going into the woods we're both talking about crossing distance in the woods on foot but he's not getting it he, he ain't getting it the disconnect is in our attitudes our primary objectives our underlying attitudes the reason why we go out into the woods at all and notice that I'm not saying that he or you or anybody else is wrong or stupid or inferior to me for wanting to use some trail as a treadmill substitute. It's just not what I'm all about. If everything I just described to you about the Appalachian Trail sounds fine to you, that's what you should do. And it doesn't matter what I think, but I appeal to you without taking personal offense or getting defensive to allow me to try to share another perspective with you a perspective born of having grown up immersed in the deep woods and one that you might be blind to or missing the subtleties of the practical woodsman is not about an activity primarily it's about a an attitude or or a philosophy or a or perspective toward mother nature the woods the backcountry, the wilderness. I spent more time in the deep, undiscovered woods as a child than I spent doing anything else. It was my refuge. Given my background, do you reckon that my primary objective for going into the woods is for socializing with a bunch of strangers all along the trail? Depleted resources. Cram myself into overflowing, pre-built little cabins with those people. And during the day, race as fast as I can to cover as much distance and as little time as possible so I can close circles and set new records on my workout wristwatch. It's not that this is just not my primary objective. This is not my secondary objective, my third objective. It's not my objective, period. I did not create the practical woodsman to appeal to those sorts of attitudes or to share commonality with those sorts of attitudes. Again, I want to make it clear that I am not accusing anybody of being wrong, stupid, inferior, or anything of that nature. There's no judgment in it. If that's what you like, that's what you like. 
what I am saying is that I do not personally find anything remarkable or positive about those sorts of attitudes or thinking. Those sorts of attitudes and thinking, in my humble opinion, overlook things of true value in favor of valuing very superficial, dumb things. And I'm not saying that those people are dumb. I'm saying that the the value of the things that they are valuing is inferior. Not that they're inferior to me, that the experience itself is inferior. I might be wrong. I don't think I'm wrong, but I might be wrong. But your opportunity to um, to engage in the conversation is there. But folks who, who have these sorts of attitudes about the backcountry in regards to wilderness, backpacking, hiking, camping, those sorts of things. For me, it's like watching people with an incredible prize before them toss out the contents and celebrate the box that it came in. By the way, in my humble opinion, the Appalachian Trail is fantastic for people who are getting started. So if you're somebody, you know, you didn't grow up in the woods, but you want to to learn intimacy with the woods, the Appalachian Trail is a fantastic way to start. It's a very nice and safe way, relatively safe way. You still have to take precautions to get started, to get your feet wet, get familiar with gear, with you know things of that nature traveling distance uh reading a map all all those sorts of things It's, it's very good for that for a beginner it's just not very impressive that if after 10 years you're still talking about the at like it's something that it's not if after 10 years you haven't evolved and grown and matured that's uh not impressive it's not impressive to me and again this is not me looking down my nose at you this is like a bricklayer if a bricklayer has not advanced in his skills after 10 years other bricklayers will look at him and say uh okay that was impressive when you started it was impressive when you started and you were using that technique 10 years on it's not impressive and you know, you, you hearing folks referring back to the Appalachian Trail as being like the the hallmark of wilderness backpacking. That's not impressive, not to anybody who knows better. Because the Appalachian Trail, like I said, is to the wilderness and the backcountry what McDonald's is to fine dining. And I acknowledge that that is going to hurt some feelings. Instead of going into the woods to rely on the conveniences pre-prepared for me by 31 trail clubs, 31 trail clubs, and multiple partnerships, I don't do that anymore. I search out the most remote and least traveled trails that I can find. If I suspect that an area that I would like to go into might not be as lightly visited or traveled as I would like, do you know what I do? I don't mark it off my list. I just go at the worst, quote-unquote, worst possible time of year. It means I go during the coldest months or the worst months as far as weather goes. Why is that? Because nobody will be out there. Nobody will be out there when it's cold. Nobody will be out there in a snowstorm. Nobody will be out there during a terribly raining season, rainy season. And I said to myself, well, I'll have it all to myself. That's when I'll go. And do you know what? It usually turns out to be the best time of year to be there. You know why? Because of the beauty, the untouched beauty, the solitude, having it all to myself. I'm going to do a show eventually if the show keeps going you know if it keeps gaining support i'm going to do a show about how the worst weather is the best weather to be in the woods and that's true it creates the best memories it creates the best visuals it creates creates the best experience it creates the best of everything the only requirement for you is to know how to keep yourself safe to be well prepared, to be well dressed, and things of that nature. I personally want to practice and exercise self-reliance. So my only reason for being out in the woods is not just 
you know, to intimacy with the woods. While I'm out there, I also want to exercise certain skills, practice things that I know work. I want to try new things. I want to fail because only in failing can I learn to do a thing different. So going back to the Appalachian Trail, can I practice self-reliance, self-reliance, while at the same time depending on shelters that others have built for me? The answer is, of course, I cannot. Can I form a truly intimate relationship with or revisit a truly intimate relationship with the woods if instead of escaping civilization, I follow it into the woods with me? Of course not. I'll tell you this. Instead of racing through the woods, trying to cover as much distance in as little time as possible, what I do is I plan for about six miles a day of foot travel. So that changes depending on elevation. I look at a topo map, a topographic map. I may add to six miles or I may take away from six miles depending on elevation changes and those sorts of things and and weather. But do you know why I plan for such a small amount of foot travel? It's not because I'm lazy. It's not because I'm out of shape. It's not because I can't do more mileage. It all goes back to my primary objective. What is my primary objective? We really haven't defined it yet. My primary objective, or my underlying attitude, is best summed up by a couple of quotes by a guy named John Muir. Muir lived from 1838 to 1914. He was a Scottish-American philosopher, nationalist, and advocate for the preservation, not conservation, but preservation. Do you know what the difference is? Conservationist wants to manage the land, like cut down trees and replant trees. A preservationist wants you to leave the trees the hell alone. I'm a preservationist at heart. And so is John Muir. Uh, Yosemite National Park probably exists because of John Muir. Here are some quotes by John Muir. He said, Going to the woods is going home. He said, I don't like either the word hike or the thing. People ought to saunter in the mountains, not quote-unquote hike. Do you know the origin of that word saunter? Away back in the Middle Ages, people used to go on pilgrimages to the Holy Land. And when people in the villages through which they passed asked where they were going, they would reply, A la Sainte Terre, to the Holy Land. And so they became known as Saint Terre Errors, or saunterers. Now these mountains are our holy land, and we ought to saunter through them reverently, not quote-unquote hike through them. John Muir said, I only went out for a walk and finally concluded to stay out till sundown, for going out, I found, was really going in. My purpose, the practical woodsman, for being in the woods is to return to and to continue the private intimacy with the woods of my youth. And I don't mean the literal woods of my youth. I mean the woods in general. Feeling truly alone, unobserved, to experience access to nature uninterrupted, to distance myself from human influences. I'm trying to nourish a very specific need within me that was born from familiarity and comfortableness with the woods over my entire childhood. Intimacy with the woods. The AT, or the Appalachian Trail, does not allow for a real experience in wilderness. Doing the entire Appalachian Trail portion of Maryland, I ran, and this was in the freezing conditions. 
the worst of weather. All I did was run into other people, and that spoils it for me. It spoils it for me. It's if, if I want to run into dozens of other people, I can just stay in town. Think about trying to nurture a very intimate relationship with somebody who can't sit still and talk to you for five minutes, who just wants you to get to the point, to speed through each conversation and get to the point. This is how I imagine Trek and Pull Guy's approach to the woods is. For him, the woods is just there. It's not his reason for anything. It's his means to other ends entirely. If your primary objective is to cover as much distance in as little time as possible, am I supposed to believe that you are truly taking in the woods? That you're truly experiencing the woods fully? Your reason for being there is for the woods themselves? So you can reflect on it all, develop an intimacy with its ways and the nature of it all? Well, you'll have to do a better job of convincing me because I'm not buying it given those conditions. That you want to just steamroll through the woods so that I don't know why. I don't know why. You let me know in the comments. Why? What is the draw there? So you can brag to your friends. I did 20 miles on the Appalachian Trail in five hours. Yeah, is that it? I don't understand that. How about you folks out there in New England? Oh, I, I topped every peak. I topped every peak in the White Mountains. Why? Why? Tell me about the intimacy that you experienced along the way. About the experiences along the way. About how it made you feel. About what you observed. About what you stopped and took time out for along the way. There are two different primary objectives that we are discussing here. There's mine and there's yours, and they don't, they don't harmonize. The way you nurture a relationship with a person is that you set aside everything else for them, don't you? And when he or she starts talking, you are in no hurry whatsoever for the conversation to end. In fact, you will push aside everything else in favor of hearing what that person has to say. You listen closely, you observe, you feel the weight of everything else disappear, and there's only you and her there, speaking softly in the candlelight, sharing the deepest thoughts and reflections and discoveries of one another. It's no different with the woods. Developing an intimacy with the woods requires patient lingering and reflection observation appreciation I have a friend named Axel he's Guatemalan I went to a Brazilian steakhouse with him one time it was the very first time that I'd ever gone to a Brazilian steakhouse I lived in Philadelphia at the time and what I remember about Axel and this experience in the Brazilian steakhouse, my very first experience in a in any Brazilian steakhouse, was that they were bringing the the cuts of meat left and right, boom, 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 lamb, beef, pork, sausage, all the stuff, chicken. And uh, he turned his you know so when you're in a Brazilian steakhouse, you you've got a thing that says go, you got a thing that says stop, and that cues the waiters to either bring you more meat or to stop and and wait soon as he had a couple pieces of meat on his plate he turned his thing over it was like the cue for them to stop bringing him meat and I watched him taking his knife cutting that meat sticking it in his mouth closing his eyes and savoring the meat he was relishing savoring the experience of it all I'll never forget that and that's a memory from 20 plus years back 
that is my approach to the woods whether I'm backpacking or not when I go into the woods it's a savory experience it's like my friend Axel in that Brazilian steakhouse so it's necessary for us to invent a brand new term for my attitude and I'm positive it's an attitude that many of you share because many of you grew up as I did wherever you're from I know there are people here in this who grew up as I did with an intimacy and a love for the nature of nature there's no expression there's no term for us that captures what we do we do go we do hike we do backpack we do bushcraft we do practice survival skills with it and a focus on being self-sufficient out in the woods and these things but they all of these terms have been hijacked by people who do not have an intimacy with the woods so that's where i'd like to request your help i, I want to come up with the, up with this brand new term it, it has to encapsulate the attitude i have described about this intimacy with nature this um relishing or the you know the savoring of nature while out in the woods the guy with the trekking poles the trekking poles guy he's not relishing or savoring his time out in the woods he's interested in what his exercise watch says how many can he beat a record can he cover 20 miles in less time than he did last time that i have no interest in that whatsoever none and i know that many of you also share that attitude with me so what is the term we're going to come up with for ourselves it's not bushcraft because the bushcrafters are just stepping 30 feet into the woods and doing their bushcraft videos they just go in there and they make a spoon out of a log and and that's their bushcraft the survivalists kind of doing the same thing Oh, it's built this big old cabin out here in the woods. And and it's been completely adulterated. The the terms have been adulterated. Right? So survival uh, when you see that hashtag, the hashtag survival has been adulterated. The hashtag uh, bushcraft has been adulterated because they're practicing bushcraft that in a survival situation is pointless. It it won't do you any good. You, so it only does you any good if you know you own that property and you've just walked down there 15 feet into the woods great what great it's really wonderful that you can do that bushcraft survival survival inherently requires some type of travel some type of independence some type of ability to move and travel over long distances and be independent and that term has been adulterated backpacking which you've got your european backpacking which is you know backpacking from hostel to hostel you're never in the woods and then you've got wilderness backpacking that has been adulterated by who by trekking poles guy the guy who just wants to cover as many miles as possible and thinks that the appalachian trail is wilderness he's staying in (laughs) pre-built pre-manufactured shelters every 10 miles so all he has to do is just plan for 10 mile hike day and there he is and there's a there's a shelter there waiting for him he does his laundry takes hot showers eats at fine restaurants along the way and he thinks that he's living a real pioneer type life no no these things are not the same these things have all been adulterated and I know, I know that those of you who grow up like me, who share the same attitudes as I do, agree with me. There will be a lot of people who are angry, uh, but you know, whatever. That again, I'm not saying that the activities themselves are they're less than the activities or the attitudes that I share. But but this show is primarily to help people see an attitude and to share an attitude that maybe they don't up until now my primary objective is sort of like a big mashup 
between John Muir. If you don't know John Muir, you really need to look him up. He and I share, profoundly share, the same sorts of attitudes towards the wilderness. Uh, Simon Kenton, he was a frontiersman along the Ohio River in West Virginia, Kentucky, and southeastern Ohio. Simon Kitten, I have not had an opportunity to praise him enough in this episode. He's somebody I will be talking about in depth in the future. He's somebody that, I'm pro- <laughs> if I'm related to him, it wouldn't surprise me. Simon Kitten loved the wilderness. So it's not backpacking, it's not bushcraft, it's not survival, it's not hiking, it's not camping. The things I'm talking about here. The things I'm talking about here are like a big old mashup of John Muir, Simon Kenton, backpacking, bushcraft, and survival all rolled into one. What are we going to call that? That's where I need your help. Are we going to call it John Muring? Are we going to call it Simon Kittening? Are we going to call it bushcraft backpacking? You guys got to help me out with this. It's wilderness backpacking but with an entirely different purpose and focus than what has been taken over by people who just don't get it and without hurting anybody's feelings I'm kind of thinking of like city folk city folk who've taken up backpacking they just don't get it they don't get the the, the feeling the intimacy the nuance the uh, the reverence for the woods, the the stopping, the the setting aside time to reflect and to take in and to observe. No spiritual interest or intimate connection with the woods at all. Just just going through, sleeping at night, getting up, packing up their tent, trying to bust out another thirty miles. You know, so I imagine that the people who instinctually get where I'm coming from are other people who grew up as I did. I'm trying to pack light when I go out there. That's true. But not at the expense of gear that will allow me to have the full experience. Uh, A good friend of mine, who I go with often, carries only plastic, a, a plastic bottle. That's his water container. So we were out back in the, toward the end of November, and he, uh, Guess what? Melted his water bottle. Whoops, there goes your approach to things. Now he has to rely on me. Why me? Because I don't go out there like I'm walking around Disney World in flip-flops. I carry gear that can take the rigors of the wilderness and fire and all these things. My mindset and preparation is actually based on worst-case scenarios. What if I'm out there for a month? What if I get lost and I'm out there for a month? I want this stuff to last. Survival, durability, reliability. And his attitude is more like trekking poles guy. I want to take what's light. I'll be fine. Everything will be fine. Same with shorts. Short sleeve shirts. I never wear shorts. Short pants. I never wear short sleeve shirts. Why is that? Because of the reason why my friend Jeff doesn't understand yet. Went out a couple years ago, got into the backcountry, come down into this field of stinging nettle. I mean, it was like a mile of stinging nettle. Hopefully, I have a picture to show you here. He doesn't want to stop, put his pants on, because he's wearing shorts and it's a hot day. Doesn't want to put a long sleeve shirt on do you understand that if you're wearing a short sleeve shirt you cannot lengthen those sleeves if you're wearing a long sleeve shirt you can roll the sleeves up I never go into the woods wearing shorts or short sleeved shirts because I'm my view of the woods is not the same as me walking around at Disney World I'm not at Disney World I'm in the woods I'm where nature is in control So I don't care if it's a thousand degrees outside. I'm wearing pants. I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt. I can always roll the long sleeve shirt sleeves up 
I can always roll my pant legs up, but if I've put on shorts and a short sleeve shirt, I can't roll those things down, can I? I'm also not interested in just going into the same places, discovering nothing, traveling nowhere, seeing nothing new. I'm not interested in visiting vistas that attract hordes of tourists. I avoid those things. For me, the vista, no vista is the reward. What is the reward for me? And I know many of you identify with this. And I, and I also know that your voices or your, uh, your view of these things are not being represented. Just like me, many of you know that the vista is not the reward. The reward is solitude, remoteness, seeing the woods as they are untouched, unvisited, and undisturbed, knowing that that experience that you are experiencing is yours alone. It's between you and the universe. I'm not interested in going into the woods for several days, covering 30 or 40 miles, and eating a bunch of stuff out of plastic containers with plastic bags, making my coffee with neon-colored silicon teapots and these sorts of things in the interest of saving weight. I know that's true for many of you, too. I want to actually practice harsh conditions out in the woods with with equipment that can handle those harsh conditions while traveling many miles. See, I don't think there's a term anybody's using out there that truly captures the essence of what it is I do and that you do. Many of you do. So I would like for your help to come up with a brand new term to describe what it is we do that the average person will not confuse as being one thing or another that um, diminishes what it is that we do. You know, diminishes the beauty of what it is you and I are doing it and the primary motivations for us doing it. It can be John Muring, Simon Kintning, bushcraft backpacking. Please help me come up with the term. What ones can you come up with? I want us to come up with a brand new term that captures a spiritual, reverent term for the woods that includes travel through new places, but not at a pace that detracts from the purpose for being there. Not at a pace that detracts from being able to enjoy, stop, reflect, enjoy the the experience along the way. That also clearly reflects a survival mindset and bushcraft practices. It has to be a term that has not been adulterated by people with attitudes and primary motives that do not live up to this sort of reverence and respect for intimacy with the woods as the primary objective. Let me make some announcements. Thepracticalwoodsman.locals.com is our exclusive online community for this group. You can also join by downloading the Locals.com app from the App Store and searching for The Practical Woodsman. Ladies and gentlemen, somebody recently left me a negative review. They left a one-star review on iTunes. Will you help me to negate that one negative review by please leaving a positive review? All you got to do is hit Four stars. Four stars. This is a great show on iTunes. That would be really helpful. If you want to go the extra mile, you could actually write out a review and say how much you like the show. Shorts. I had told you that I have three show formats. Adventures, which are just me in the woods. Episodes, which is this podcast. And then shorts. What happened is that YouTube already has a thing called shorts. So I have to rename that. And what I'm going to call it is Video Briefs. So I am contributing to YouTube Shorts. But now there is going to be Adventures, Episodes, which are this uh, podcast, and then Shorts, which are the YouTube format of Shorts, and then also a video format called Video Briefs. So, anywhere there's that. Uh, again, I just want to remind you, please, if, if you enjoy this show, if you'd like me to continue doing it, um, 
one way of uh, supporting me is by going on iTunes, leaving a positive review to negate the really terrible review that I recently got that lowered the score quite a bit. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a wonderful week. I look forward to seeing you again next week. We'll talk about something else that's cool about the woods, surviving, nature, bushcraft. I'm looking forward to seeing your comments about what we can call this thing that you and I do that shows a reverence and our intimacy with the woods and not just a using the woods as a means to an end for some other thing. I know many of you out there have been waiting for a show like this support me please Uh, I appreciate it take care I'll see you next time